Please be opening your Bible to Ephesians chapter 5. I'll meet you there in just a moment. Ephesians chapter 5. There is an expression used by Paul in the book of Acts, chapter 26, verse 22. He was making his defense before Agrippa. As he described the endurance of his faith, he told the king, To this day I have had the help that comes from God. There is for each of us help that comes from God. Name any relationship, any struggle you are currently navigating, any kind of question or need, there is help from God. Seek that help from His Word. Pray for His wisdom and then give Him the glory. Marriage is our present topic and there is no question if we will listen to this and take this to heart, this description of the ideal, God will help us in our marriages. I'm reading now from Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 22 and to the end of the chapter. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Paul wanted the Christians at Ephesus to know about Christ and his church, no doubt about that. He also wanted them to know about the husband-wife relationship. One informs our understanding of the other. We need to know about both. This is help from God we can receive and apply in our marriages. I've been married 51 years, and I hope our example of longevity and love sends a valuable message to our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and to all who know us. There are many who are a part of the Laurel Heights family who are testimony through their lives of the long-term good commitment that makes marriage valuable and great, yet 
These are not the highest models. The highest model, the perfect example, Christ and his church. The language of this text signals the presence of a model. As to the Lord, just as, so also. Paul wants us to understand the relationship of Christ to his church, but he also wants us to understand how that relationship becomes the model for the ideal in marriage. If your marriage is fine, or if your marriage is encountering trouble or becoming stale, in any case, there is help from God every time you go back to the ideal, every time you go back to the perfect model. We're going to go there during this time, and I'm going to take us to some simple, solid applications about the ideal in Ephesians 5, 22 to the end of the chapter. We'll start here. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, right here, before we go any further, the world doesn't want to listen because the world doesn't understand submission. In the world, submission is considered as entirely negative. It is related to concepts of slavery and subservience and inferiority. The popular idea is there can't be anything good about submission. It is almost equated with punishment. In our society, just the word, even before context, just the word can stir up negative thoughts. But if we're going to receive help from God, we can't just let a word in his book turn us away. We need to objectively study the context and let God tell us what he means by this. Start here. Submission is good or bad depending on how you define the word and who you submit to. Submission here is the voluntary act of putting yourself under the care and leadership of a man you love. And the man you love loves you even as Christ loves the church. I want to emphasize this is the ideal. This is what we're looking at, the ideal. That's what we're working with in this text, the ideal. And when you observe the love of Christ in the context, submission takes on a positive, comforting connotation. Do you see how quickly the concept of submission changes when you understand it in terms of this passage? A woman chooses a good man she can love. The man loves her, and when he loves her as Christ loves the church, that's the ideal, and submission is not drudgery or slavery or involuntary servitude. It is a joy. It's pleasing to God. It is of the highest value for children, for churches, for communities. So as long as the two are committed to and reaching for this ideal in Ephesians 5, as long as they're committed to that and reaching for it, the devil is unable to kill that marriage. 
no matter what weapons he may have in his arsenal, laziness, staleness, temptation, materialism, whatever. When the two see this as the ideal and commit to this in Ephesians 5, submission is stripped of any negative or groveling image. Submission here is the voluntary act of putting yourself under the care and leadership of a man who loves you so much he would die for you. He loves you as Christ loves the church. That's the ideal. When two people marry and both of them are tuned into this passage and devoted to the Lord, there is the highest potential for good. The submission of the wife is not the troublesome or burdensome thing the world makes it out to be. Tyrannical force, intimidation, and emotional abuse is not any part of biblical submission or biblical headship. The Bible tells us roles are an essential part of human relationships and society. This word submission or submit is used elsewhere in the Bible. Christians are to be subject to the governing authorities, Romans 13.1. Young men are to be subject to older men, 1 Peter 5.5. Christians are to be submissive to their elders in the church, Hebrews 13.17. It says, obey those who have the rule over you. See, it is never about selfish control, intimidation, threatening, or slavery, not when God's standards are applied. It is about respect for God's order. It is about the voluntary action of the wife putting herself in the care and keeping and under the love of her husband as we all live under the loving leadership of Jesus Christ. This is the ideal, and this must be at the center of our attention. So many nagging problems and issues and long-standing conflict could be resolved right here if both husband and wife would go back to and reaffirm their commitment to God's ideal, God's model in Ephesians chapter 5. All right, now let's let Paul talk to husbands in this passage. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. The world has the same kind of problem here, and frankly, many men have read this word, head, but have not taken the time to see the biblical meaning in its full depth. Some men just don't define words. They impose upon words their self-serving definitions. So the stereotypical idea is, oh boy, I get to tell somebody what to do. I get to sit back in my chair and bark commands. I get to be served and with arbitrary impulse. I get to enjoy having all my needs met. I have one question for husbands who think like that. Is that the way Christ leads the church? Christ is the one who said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for... I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Husbands, will you embrace that model? The word head cannot be defined 
to suit the fleshly, immature ambitions of thoughtless men. It is defined by the perfect model of Christ, who is head of the church. For Jesus, it is not a selfish control battle that he won, and now he has a robot, the church, jumping to serve him and relieve him of work. That's not it. Jesus, according to Philippians chapter 2, did nothing from selfish ambition. He loves us, died for us, and seeks through his word to nourish and cherish us in the highest, most valuable, eternally valuable way. So if a husband loves God and is a servant of Jesus Christ, that man will lead his family not with threats and abuse, but with love, nourishing and cherishing, and with full understanding of God's purpose for the home. So God is defining these roles with the standard of the perfect model. The wife submits, voluntarily placing herself under the care and love of a man who is following Christ's example of leadership. The husband leads not as an exercise of his power or his mad desire to control. He leads not to control, but to love, cherish, and nourish. When two people believe this with all their hearts and enter into marriage, there is the greatest potential for good so long as they keep their eyes on this ideal. And the devil is unable to separate what God has joined together. Well, the question may come up when you look at the ideal, how can this work? There is a key element that makes this work. I want you to look back into the passage and mark this little phrase at the end of verse 22. As to the Lord. That means this is not just a relationship between two people. Indeed, a third party is involved a divine superior, the Lord. So the wife learns from Christ and the church what it means to submit. And she does that toward her husband, yet always aware she is first a servant of the Lord. Putting the Lord first results in right motivation, consistent righteousness in all our relationships. Then, brother husband, love your wives as Christ has loved his people. Your headship is not dominated by carnal, self-serving control. It is not that you were so great or so smart. It is not power that you hold for your convenience. Love your wives as Christ has loved his church, his people. Honor her. Dedicate yourself to helping her go to heaven, and she will help you. So the key element that makes this work is both living as unto the Lord. I've often said in marriage ceremonies, if you both love God and love each other, your love for God enables you to work out the details of your relationship with each other day by day. If both love God, there is a solid base you can both depend on to solve problems and grow beyond trouble 
and to keep God and His goodness in your marriage. This is the beauty of family as God would have it. Described in Psalms 128, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Husbands, I want us to think about the tragedy of realizing what a blessing your wife is to you after she is gone. Perhaps some of you have heard me tell this story about a man who never showed much courtesy and honor to his wife. She always hoped maybe he would open the door for her. He shrugged that off. He would often say something like, What's wrong with you? You have your own two hands. They're not broken. The man's wife passed away before he did. At her funeral, he stood by watching the funeral director, preacher, and pallbearers leaving the building. They arrived at the hearse. Before the funeral director reached for the back door of the hearse, the man spoke up as he ran to the hearse. And he said, wait. And with a broken voice, he said, may God forgive me as he opened the door at the back of the hearse. He sadly realized that the only time he had fulfilled her simple wish was at her funeral. Men, may we never let simple acts of kindness and honor escape our notice. I want to frame our applications with two questions for married couples. Number one, what if the devil came to your front door? There is a knock at the door, or the bell sounds, and when you open the door, please imagine immediately you see it is the devil. I'm relying on our imagination here. And the devil says, Hello, I'm the devil. I'm here to break up your marriage. Let me in, and I'll create coldness and conflict between you and your wife. You will hate each other when I leave. Your children will become casualties of divorce. You'll leave the church and go to hell. Well, you will tell the devil he is not welcome, and you will slam the door. While he doesn't work that way, I have described to you exactly what the devil wants to happen. And behind the scenes, this is his purpose. Through subtle influences at the office or workplace, through media intrusion into our minds by means of people, gradually from the world's pressure, the devil wants to destroy your marriage and family. Here in Ephesians 5 is your help from God. Your response to that deadly threat is your attention to the ideal. Number two, what if your marriage is not the ideal? Does the Bible address that? What if my wife isn't submissive? What if my husband isn't even a Christian? I hear those questions. If you believe your current marriage is not the ideal, not in keeping with what we've studied, first examine yourself carefully. 
based on what is taught here in Ephesians 5 and other passages that address your responsibility and include in your self-examination passages that may not directly mention marriage, but they teach us about attitude, temperament, spiritual growth, discipline. Read also passages that talk about marriages that are not ideal. 1 Corinthians 7, a believer married to an unbeliever, or 1 Peter 3, where the wife is the influence her husband needs, and that influence comes through her devotion to the Word. We pray for those who are in situations less than the ideal or in broken relationships, but let's never let that sad reality keep us from teaching and emphasizing what God is saying to us here in Ephesians 5, 22-33. Wives, Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We hope this study has been beneficial to everyone listening or viewing. May God help us to use his word to build strong marriages. Thank you for listening.